Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Amen. How great is our God. How great is the things that the Lord has done for our life. Amen. Are you grateful for the Lord? Are you grateful for everything that he's done? Amen. The Lord is so worthy to be praised, church. So I want to give you like 15 seconds to just glorify Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and just glorify the Lord tonight. We bless you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Come on, he's more than a hand clap. Come on, give him praise tonight. Give him praise tonight. Give him honor tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Amen. God is good, church. God is good, amen. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. I'm so thankful because, you know, when we began this last week, and I'll just review with you quickly. As we began this word, you know, the Lord was just revealing to us from, from, from the book of First, First Timothy chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, I want you to open it up there. But last week we learned that God was revealed in the flesh, amen, through the person of Jesus Christ. We revealed that God was revealed in the flesh through the person of Jesus Christ. And so we learned several things about the Lord. Do you know that Jesus can identify with your pains and your sorrows? Jesus can identify with the hurts and the, and the brokenness. And he can identify, he, that is, he can relate to the things that you have gone through in this life. He is not some faraway God that is, that is just abstract and, and, and he has no connection with his people, but he is close and he is near, amen? He literally can feel the beat of your heart, church. He knows the number of hairs you have on your head. He knows every fiber of your being, every, every fiber of your life. And Jesus Christ identified with man perfectly. Hebrews chapter 2, we read from these verses. Verse 14, it says, Since the children, that is you and I, have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. I thank God for that every single day. I thank God for that every single day so that I am no longer fearful of death. I am no longer fearful of what eternity holds because I know who holds eternity. Amen. I know who holds my future. I know in whom I have placed my trust. But I love what it says. He shared in our humanity, church. Think about that just for a moment. He knows what it is that you're going through. If you've walked into this place tonight in torment, in turmoil, in some kind of depression, if you walked into this place having gone through something, he knows your humanity. He relates with every single thing that you have ever experienced in your life. I covered it a little bit last week and I explained to you how Jesus himself was tempted just the way that we are. You remember that. Matthew chapter 4 talks about Jesus comes out of this 40-day fast. And the first thing that happens is he is all of a sudden tempted by the enemy. And what is the temptation that the enemy brings into his life? The first thing that the enemy tries to throw at Jesus is he says, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? I can imagine that moment. That was a pretty tempting offer. 
Amen? The enemy will hit you in that weak spot, right? It's like, you know, you, you love chocolate cake and all of a sudden you drive by a bakery. It's like, I rebuke you, Satan, you know, not today, you know. There, there is something that the, the enemy doesn't try to go after the strong points in your life. He'll always go for the weak spot. He'll always go for that area in your life. And so we understand that the way that you and I go through temptation and the way that we are, you know, constantly challenged and we are literally in a spiritual war, Jesus was in a spiritual war too. But yet he came out victorious through his father. He came out victorious through the spirit of God. And you and I too can come out victorious because of the spirit of God in our life. Amen. Jesus Christ became a man in order to take away the sins of men. He had to walk in our shoes in order to fulfill the Father's plan of redeeming a lost creation, of redeeming a lost mankind. He became a man in order to take away the sins of men. 1 John 3 and 5 says, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. He became a man in order to destroy him who had the power of death, and that is Satan, 1 John 3 and 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Amen. We realize, church, that we can be free, right? We realize that we don't have to be under bondage, under the grip of sin, under the things that the enemy wants to entangle our life with. Because he died, now we can walk in that freedom where we are no longer bound by the work of Satan. We're no longer bound by the things that the enemy wants to bind us with. The second thing that we learned was that Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. That word vindicated meant uh, de defended, avenged. It, it means so many different things, but it means that the Holy Spirit in Christ proved that he was in fact God. How many of you know that, that, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one? Amen? They are the Holy Trinity. And so it proved that he was, in fact, God because no man could do the works of God unless the Spirit of God had enabled him to do so. Jesus wasn't just really good at, at a, lack of better terms, magic because it wasn't magic. But he wasn't just a, an illusionist. He wasn't just an individual that was able to, you know, turn water into wine and turn, you know, fish and bread and pass it out to the masses. You know that story, right? The Bible says that he, he took that bread and he took the fish from that young boy's lunch. And the scripture says this. The scripture says that there were about 5,000. Do you know that the number 5,000 only included the men? The women and the children included probably added up to about 12,000. And he said, listen, he lifted up that bread. He lifted up that fish before heaven. He broke it. He presented it to the Father and he gave thanks. And as they went with what they had, they came back with 12 basketfuls full. Only Jesus, only God could do something like that. 
Amen? Only the Lord can do something. And so we see that the Spirit of God enabled him. I love this verse in John 21 and 25. Read this last week, and it's, and it's so true. How many of you, I asked you last week, but how many of you have ever received a miracle of God? Amen? A miracle of God. How many of you have ever been healed by the Lord? Raise your hand. How many of you have been saved by Jesus? Amen? How many of you have been set free in your, in your body, your life from addictions and things? Amen? We give him glory for that. Amen? And listen to what John 21 and 25 says this. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. If everyone wrote this thing down and said, man, he saved my soul. He's delivered my life. He took me out of the pit. He washed me clean. He transformed my life. If you wrote and wrote and wrote and begin to write down every single testimony of every single thing that God had ever done for you, and if every person that had ever received from Jesus did the same thing, there would not be enough room in this world to contain the testimonies of the goodness of our God. How powerful is that? You couldn't have enough Barnes and Nobles to, to fill up with books because guess what? Every single one of our lives would be just, in a, just a, a library of testimonies. You know, God's done things for your life that you don't even know he did. Amen. God has done more things for our life that we didn't even know he was there. The Bible says that never would he leave you and never would he forsake you. He is with you to the very end of the age. God spared my life as a young man for the first 15, 16 years of my life. I was a really, really, really bad asthmatic. I'm talking hospital monthly, waking up on the floor, blue, passed out, you know, ashing had to be revived, had to be resuscitated many times. Why did the enemy try to take me out? Because he wanted to stop me from doing what God had purposed for my life. That's what the enemy is always in the business of doing, is he's trying to stop you from fulfilling that which God has for your life. I love this. It says, no man could escape a body of decayed unless the Spirit of God had resurrected him. This was part of the vindication of the Spirit. The Scripture says about King David that King David was, Jesus would come from the line of the family of David, right? And we understand that he would, he would live a life, and the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He is an Old Testament figure of who Jesus is. But King David, the Bible says that one day he would die. His rule and his reign on, on this earth as a king would one day come to an end and his body would decay. And this is the eternity for the body of every man, woman, and child that has ever walked this earth. Until Jesus was resurrected by the Holy Spirit. Until the spirit of the living God proved that he could even go beyond the grave to resurrect and beyond the grave to lift up and beyond the grave to redeem any life that would trust in his son, Jesus Christ. It's a powerful truth. Acts 2 and 4 says, but God raised him 
from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's good news tonight, amen? As we continue in the word, I want us to continue on in this verse. I told you to bookmark 1 Timothy 3 and 16. So if you have your Bibles, open them up there. And I'll read this verse to you again. It says, beyond all question. How many of you know what beyond all question means? Beyond all question, it says, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body. He was vindicated by the Spirit, and he was seen by angels. Christ was seen by angels. Angels, if you understand the function of an angel, you understand why angels exist. The angels are the heavenly beings who have always seen and beheld Christ. Angels had seen Christ before he ever came to earth. Amen? Angels were with him in the presence of God before Jesus ever descended into this earth. In fact, they are the very ministers of Christ who have been created to carry out his will. This is who angels are. And it's only natural that the angels were involved when Christ came to earth to save all of mankind. And so Christ was seen of angels, and angels were witnessed by men, and they were involved. I want to teach you a little bit about this this evening because sometimes we, we read things in Scripture and then we just kind of don't, we don't make that mental connection. Amen? So I want to break some things down for you. Angels are really important. Amen? Angels are messengers of God. Amen? Angels are defenders of God. Angels will go out to do any assignment that God has given them over your life. Angels are incredibly important. And so we see that there were angels in the preparation of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 1 shows us this. Verse 26, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. How many of you believe angels exist? Amen. Prior to this happening, the angel Gabriel had given Mary the reason for his visitation in verse 19. Luke 1 and 19 says, The angel said to him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you of this good news. Angels have been around since the beginning. They they are created beings by God and for God's purposes. And so we see the purpose and the function of the deployment of an angel, and that was to stand in the presence of God. But when the Lord chose to do so, when the Lord would chose to deploy him, he would send out that angel on a mission. Imagine with me for a second having been spoken to by an angel. <laughs> Mary and Joseph are just minding their own business. You know, they're, they're, in, they're in Bethlehem, and they're, they're doing their thing, and they're living their life, and all of a sudden, an angel appears before Mary, announces his name. I am Gabriel. I'm sent by God. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and give you good news. That would probably be a pretty impactful moment, amen? It would probably be something that you would never forget. And when the Lord wants something done, the Lord can send an angel. Imagine he's speaking to her concerning the child that she will soon give birth to would be the son of God. What an announcement that he came to give. Amen? If you had a visitation from an angel, you better pay attention. 
Amen? If you have a visitation from an angel, now, you know, I'm not trying to get all like super, you know, out there or nothing, but I'm just being honest with you. If you have a visitation from an angel, pay attention. Pay attention. Imagine this celestial being explaining to Mary at the time, he says, to a virgin that she would carry the Son of God. It's crazy. I can imagine that Mary was in utter shock at the announcement that was just made about her. So we see the importance of angels. Let's keep going. Angels were also sent to announce the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Verse 14 says, They announced this and they testified that he was bringing good news that would cause great joy for all people. And verse 14 of Luke chapter 2 says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, the angels had a purpose in the life of Jesus, and then they returned to heaven. You see, any time the Lord would deploy an angel to descend from heaven on your behalf, to make an announcement, to declare something that God has done, it's important to listen and observe. We see the angels were with Jesus during his temptation. Mark chapter 1, verse 13, you don't have to turn there. But the scripture says the angels attended him. They ministered to him, as some translations use the word, the angel, they, they would strengthen the Lord. They would strengthen him in this moment, and that word angel actually means a messenger. We see the angels were present during the trials of Jesus in Luke 22 and verse 42. Jesus said these words, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. He said, yet not my will, but your will be done. And verse 43 says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So we see that they're sent to announce. They're sent to bring a message. They're sent from God. They're sent to strengthen. This is on the cross when Jesus was in his deepest place of agony. This is on the cross in that place in Jesus' life where perhaps any other ordinary human would have, wouldn't have been able to endure. And so we see in this moment that God sends an angel in that moment. He sends an angel to strengthen his son. And if the enemy you know, knew that he could somehow get to Jesus and he could somehow bring his heart to dismay, he could somehow put him in a, in a life of bitterness because guess what? Even Satan knew what was at stake. Satan knew what was at stake in that moment where Jesus said, Father, if this cup could pass from me. Think about it just for a moment. The cup, church, was this, is that Jesus would take upon his body the sins of the entire world. That's a big cup. That is a big, big cup. That is something that you and I can never fathom. The Bible says in, in the book of John, it says, rarely would anyone give their life. Rarely would anyone give their life for those who are evil. Dare would anyone give their life for a good man. But the scripture teaches us that there is no greater love than this. That he would lay down his life for his friends. What a powerful, powerful, powerful truth. If Satan in that moment could have succeeded. If Satan in that moment could have, have somehow just changed the heart of Christ. If he could have gotten him to advert his own doom and kept control of the earth indefinitely. This is what Satan wanted to happen. And so it was important that God sent 
an angel. Do you know, church, that there was an angel in the resurrection of Jesus? Matthew chapter 28 and verse 2 says this, There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. And going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. Do you think that angels are strong? Yeah. <laughs> he showed up and an earthquake happened. Amen? He's a, he is a being of God. He's a, he's a heavenly host. He comes down. There's, a, there's this earthquake that happens. He goes over to that stone which the, the guards were guarding, and he rolls it back. He rolls back that stone, and he sits on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. What an important announcement. What a powerful, powerful truth. I want to keep going. The angel was present when the Lord ascended back to heaven. His ascension in Acts chapter 1, verse 10 says, They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood besides them, they said, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And it's in those moments, church, when we are left in confusion. It's in those moments when you're left in brokenness. It's in those moments where you are too weak that God himself will send an angel on your behalf, an angel to strengthen your life, an angel to deliver a message of the Lord to your life, an angel to do something in your life that he knows that you so desperately need. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I said it's beyond all question. His existence is beyond all question. Angels are the ministering spirits of Christ who saw all that happened to him. And they saw Jesus secure our salvation on the cross. What is my point tonight? They are living beings who have lived with Christ in a real place throughout all of eternity. 1 Kings chapter 22 says this. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. The multitudes of heaven are the angels in the heavenly host. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And it says, and you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I think at times, church, that we forget that his kingdom is spirit. I think at times, sometimes we think that, you know, his kingdom is somehow just a feeling that we get in a worship service. We sometimes reduce God down to a feeling, goosebumps, or, or you know, oh, I felt, you know, God just do something like this. And we forget how vast and how great his kingdom is. We sometimes forget that, that, that this whole thing, this relationship that we have, this, this life that we are living in Jesus, this is a life that is only lived through the Spirit. We cannot dismiss the things of the Spirit. Amen? In order to please the Spirit, we have to walk in the Spirit. And just like the Lord has prepared angels for our defense, our edification, our rebuke, and so on, so the enemy has deployed his forces. Let me teach you something. Matthew 25 and verse 41 says this. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget that the devil himself was a fallen angel. Sometimes we forget that that crafty, deceiving enemy knows certain things and has been certain places. And this is why he sneaks and he weaves his way into our life. The Bible calls him leaven. Calls him leaven that he would weave his way. Leaven is what makes the bread rise. It's what, it's what gives the bread, you know, the, the yeast. It's what moves. And he talks about that leaven. He talks about the leaven of Herod. He talks about the leaven of the Pharisees. The religious spirit and the political spirit. And the enemy is full aware, church, that he will do everything in his power. The scripture says to masquerade as what? An angel of light. I need to give you a word of warning. Not everything that you've heard and not everything that you've dreamed and not everything that you've envisioned and not everything that has come into your life is of God. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that my sheep will know my voice. And the enemy has a competing voice that is at work in your life every single day. Every single day, there is, there is angels of the enemy, angels of darkness, those who are sent and those who are moving about in this world to try to deceive your life, to try to trick you, to try to get you to believe something that's false about the nature of God, something that's false about your brother or sister in the church. And those angels are at work, but how many of you know that God will have his way? And those angels, though they come like a little, sorry if you have a chihuahua, but I, I don't like chihuahuas. They'll come like a little chihuahua, nipping at your ankle. And you know that it, you're bigger right now. Oh, man, I can't even go where I want to go. Don't kick a dog. That's not what I'm trying to say. That's not what I'm, uh, that's not my point. But you know that you're much more bigger and powerful than the Chihuahua, yes? And you know that that which you possess in your life is much more powerful than the Chihuahua. But yet the Chihuahua will still bite, still nip, and still try to get your ankles. And the enemy calls those little Chihuahuas of the Bible little foxes. They come to destroy much fruit and much harvest in your life. The little foxes are the things that they will come into your life that will nip away at your, at your soul, that will nip away at your being, that will nip, nip away at your, at your thought life, at your mind, at your identity in Jesus. To cause you to fall into deception and confusion and say, you know what, what is this? Cause you to fall into a place in your life where you don't really know who God is. Cause you to fall into a place in life that just the way that he tried to set the trap for Jesus when he said, if you are the son of God. How many of you have said yes to Jesus and you have received him as your Lord and Savior tonight? Raise your hand. You are a child of the most high God. There is no devil in hell that could convince you otherwise. And you need to know who you are in Jesus Christ. You are a child of the king. 
You were bought with a price. Amen. You are a royal priesthood. Amen. You are a holy nation. Amen. You are no longer living in the world, but you are now living in Christ Jesus because anyone who is in Christ is a what? A new creation. This is who you are in Jesus. But the little fox, the little chihuahua, those fallen angels will always try to go to work at your life. What's my point? Heaven and the angels are real. It is a real world up there in heaven. It is a spiritual world and dimension of being where God and Christ actually exist. And when the word of God, think about this, when the word of God declares that this mystery of godliness is great, it's because all of the angels in heaven point to the one who is greater than this world. And all of the angels of heaven worship day and night declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we too, church, can sing in the songs of heaven because Christ is alive. Can somebody give him praise tonight? He is good. 1 Timothy 3.16, let's keep going. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and he was preached among the nations. What else makes Jesus greater? What else makes Jesus greater is the fact is that he was preached to every nation. Jesus is not exclusive. Jesus is not just for a certain type of people. Jesus is not just for a certain type of race or creed or nationality. This is part of the mystery of godliness. I want us to read Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. Amen? And he richly blesses all who call on him. Amen? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will what? Will be saved. But I love this, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? Don't you realize, don't you realize that what makes Jesus so special what makes Jesus above all people, of all over all creation, is this, is that all people get to receive Jesus. This is what makes him so special. Is everybody has the ability to receive him. He's not just for the older folks, amen. He's not just for the young people, amen. He's not just for the rich, amen. He's not just for the poor. He's not for this race or for that race. He's not for just the lonely or the abandoned or the weak or hurt. He is for all mankind. All of mankind. And this should give us hope tonight, amen. This should give us hope because guess what? When you get to heaven, the Bible says that every tribe, every tongue, every race, every creed, every nation will be represented in heaven. Don't make him to be, don't, oh man, don't make him to be just who we want him to be. Amen. He is Lord of all. Amen. Everybody say all. He is Lord of all. And this is what makes the gospel the greatest story ever told because it's for the entire world. It leaves no one out. It leaves nobody out. This is the movie that everybody can go to watch. It's rated everybody. <laughs> 
Everybody can sit down and listen to that gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus Christ came to save all people, even the heathen. Amen? Even the worst and the chief of sinners, those who knew absolutely nothing about God and are so immoral, so depraved and corrupted, so hopeless and helpless in life, he came to save them. Those who were far from him, those who had no desire of even wanting to know him, he came to save them. How many of us know that if Jesus could save us of our sins, he could save anybody? Amen? He could save anybody. And this is the truth. Christ is not an exclusive savior of the Jews nor any other nation, including America. He is the savior of all people and all nations, both Jew and Gentile alike. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 says this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. When I was younger and I was a youth pastor, I, I, we, we had a missions a ministry that we would give to in our youth ministry, and it was called Speed the Light. And there's a verse, uh, it, you know, I believe it's in 1 Peter, and it, and, and it kind of talks about, you know, um, it's a different word than speed, but it, basically it's, it talks about, you know, kind of welcoming the coming of Christ. Amen? As if somehow we could sort of manipulate time, but that's not really what it means. It doesn't mean that we can actually manipulate time. The Bible says uh, in the book of Matthew that nobody knows the day or the hour. Amen? Nor the Son of God or the angels. Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows when the appointed time will come when he will say, it is my time. It is my time to come back and save my creation. It is my time to come back and restore those who were broken. It is my time to resurrect the dead. It's my time to split the eastern sky. But when I read this verse, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That, sh that should tell us something. It should tell us this, that if we keep preaching the gospel, he's going to show up. Amen? Might not mean he's going to show up sooner, but if we keep preaching the gospel, we keep telling people about the love of this Savior that we know, if we keep telling them about the hope that we have found in Christ, he will return. Amen? And that gives me joy. That gives me hope because guess what? I want him to return, don't you? I want him to come. I would love to be that last chapter that is written that says the dead in Christ will rise and then those who are alive in him will be taken up to be with him forever. I want to be in that number, amen? That's that song when the saints go marching in. I want to be in that number. I want to be amongst those that are of the last generation that are of the last generation. The ones who endured till the end. There's been a lot of generations that have, that have gone before us, well before us. Many people that are now in the presence of God awaiting our arrival. But what a precious day that will be when he comes to take us home forever. Mark 13 and 10, it says, And the gospel 
must first be preached to all nations. Revelation 14 and verse 6 says, I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Unlike other beliefs, Jesus came for everyone. Unlike, well, you know, other religions, Jesus came for everyone. And he only had to die one time. He only had to give his life for you one time, once and for all, and shed his blood once and for all. There's no one who compares to Jesus. There's no one who compares to the Lord. Mark 16 and verse 15 says this. He said to them, so go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Did you know that creation means all people? Now, it doesn't mean preach to your dog, <laughs> preach to your cat. It's not what it's telling you to do. It's preach to all creation. They are created beings, but they don't have a soul. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Preach to all creation. There are people that are indifferent from you. There are people that will challenge you. There are people that may even hate you because of your belief in Jesus Christ. And he said what? Preach the gospel to all creation. There are people that despise the fact that you love this invisible God. Preach the gospel to all creation. There are people that have built up and spent their entire life on trying to disprove the existence of God. Preach the gospel to all creation. There are people that are on the other side of political lines and, and certain belief systems that, 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 that you may not agree with. Preach the gospel to who? All creation. Preach the gospel to all creation. Regardless of what you feel about the life of an individual, we do not have the right to judge because there's only one judge. Amen? Our responsibility is to preach the gospel to all creation. To go into the world and show them what the love of God looks like. Can I remind you for a moment that when the love of God touched your life, and the love of God reached out to your life. It didn't come with condemnation. It didn't come with judgment. It didn't come with, with shaming you for the things that you had done. Because it's what? It's unconditional. But because of his love, we realize we come to that, 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 that knowledge of knowing that he's a holy and perfect God. That we are sinners and he was sinless. And we come to that revelation of knowing that we could do absolutely nothing about our sinful state before him. But yet, he loves us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you grateful for that tonight? And what seems like a challenge is this, is sometimes when we're given this commandment by the Lord, and I, I'll say it again, it's a commandment. It's not an option. It's a command. 
when we're given this commandment by the Lord, sometimes we are afraid to step out and do something that the Lord is asking us to do for the fear of man, for the fear of the results, for the fear of maybe the relationship and how it's going to take a turn. How many of you have ever told somebody about Jesus and all of a sudden they, they stopped messaging you? <laughs> Share Jesus on Facebook and all of a sudden they mute you. Go take him out and have a conversation with him and all of a sudden they don't answer your phone calls anymore. Listen, you planted the seed. That's it. You planted the seed. You did the work of what the Lord had asked you to do. You shared the gospel. The Bible says some sow and some water, but it is God who brings the increase. We don't save people, only he does. Amen? We don't save anybody. And so guess what? That should bring a relief to your life. To know that they don't have to, you know, it's not about you and them. It's just simply about you delivering that message. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, he says, freely as you have received, freely give. Freely give. Give this gift of salvation. Offer this gift of salvation to those around you. I want you to think about your family just for a moment as I ask you to bow your heads tonight. I want you to think about your family, your loved ones. Maybe you have a sibling that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you have parents that don't know the Lord. Somebody that is close in your life, somebody that, that means something to you that, that does not know the Lord as, as Savior and as God. And you know in your heart that if you say nothing, and they don't receive this truth of Jesus, you know that they will end up in a Christless eternity. I want our hearts to be moved tonight by the Lord to say, listen, it doesn't matter what they will think about me. It doesn't matter how they may criticize me or judge me. It doesn't matter how crazy I look in their eyes. I just wanna obey you, God. I just want to obey you, God. I just want to be pleasing to you, Lord. And so, Father, I pray over your people tonight. I pray over your people tonight, God, that you would just give them an incredible boldness, God. You said, God, that if we would be ashamed of you, Lord, you would be ashamed of us. And, Father, I pray, Lord, for courage, Lord, to tell somebody about Jesus. I pray, Father, for, for Father God, just that, that, that responsibility, Lord, to tell somebody about Jesus. For us not to wait to think it's somebody else's job to tell them about Jesus, but, but for us to actually take this commission and make it personal tonight and receive the truth of what he has said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.